you are eager to do good. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Don't fear threats, don't be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Uh, oh God, as always, we are asking for insight and understanding into your word and into these relationships you're inviting us into with yourself, with our, ourselves, and with each other. And so guide us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's great to see you. The, uh, the boiler was not working for those who are in Zoom. We've been a little chilly here, but the heat is rising. Do you feel it? Okay. Anyway, we got the boiler fixed. We're good. You don't feel the heat, apparently. Are you feeling warm enough and comfortable? Okay, that's good. Okay. Uh, half of my job is uh, boiler maintenance. So, uh, anyway. Ashley, Michelle, nice to see you. Welcome back. Glad you're recovering well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yes. Um, anyway, great to see all of you here. Thank you for coming. We are in the midst of this uh, teaching series where we're looking at our strategy in the month of January. As we always do, we were reflective on what we're doing as a community together here at Church of the Advent Hope. And we said our purpose is to live in loving, worshiping relationship with God and in loving community with each other. This year, we're taking time to also talk about our strategy as a community. What do we do as a community? And we've said that we nurture spiritual growth, we communicate the good news, and we embody the life and teachings of Jesus. These are elements of how we're going to live in loving, worshiping relationship with God and in loving community with all members of the human family. All right? So our strategy. So the first two weeks, uh, we talked about nurturing spiritual growth. And by the way, you can go back and catch up on all of these at adventhope.org or YouTube. They're around. And so last week, Stephen uh, did a, a great job talking about communicating the good news. In fact, I was driving to New Jersey last night, and I listened to Stephen for a third time. It was, it was that good. Anyway, Stephen, thank you. Uh, thank, I did listen to it, as I told Stephen, at 1.25 speed, which makes things even a little more exciting. Wasn't quite chipmunk level, but it's right there. Still very good. Anyway, uh, that, so we've been talking about communicating the good news, and today we're continuing that theme as we look at Jesus, one of Jesus' most close disciples or students, I may say, and this is uh, Peter. And so we looked at 1 Peter chapter 3 and uh, verse 15. And again, we're talking today about communicating the good news. And so we should talk or stop for just a moment, though, before we go any further and just reiterate what we're talking about when we say uh, good news, often referred in Christian circles as the gospel, which literally means uh, good news. And uh, we've said that God, the good news is the, 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 the reality, the message that God cares about humanity so much so that he came and became a human. He lived and taught. He died. He rested he rose again, and he's coming back. And all of that is for our benefit, that he fulfilled the needs of, of, of justice, and as we can test faith in him, we can be a part of his kingdom, which offers transformed lives here and now, and also a future where there's no more dying 
or sorrow or mourning or pain. That's one articulation of the good news. Something God has done for us that we cannot do for ourselves. Mentioning the website again, if you go to adventhope.org, we care so deeply about communicating effectively this good news that we put together 13 texts from the Bible that we think help summarize this story, this good news. And so if you go to adventhope.org, at the top line, there's a nav bar item that says good news, and you click on that, and there you'll see 13 key verses. So, good news. Communicating uh, the good news, that's what we're talking about. We're looking at 1 Peter chapter 3 as our uh, key text. And you see this emphasis from Peter that talking to people, and in Peter's case, he's talking to people who may be experiencing challenges or persecution as they did in the first century to follow Jesus. And his instruction is that those people, and we can take note from this, should always be prepared to explain the hope that they have. So if somebody is persecuting, as often happened in the first century, again, you read uh, the stories of Acts and you read Christian history in the first, uh, certainly the first century, there was a lot of persecution because it was a, uh, uh, the, the story of Jesus and what he had done challenged the socioeconomic structures that existed. It, challenged the religious and philosophical structures that existed, and so that created the potential for a lot of persecution, and so they experienced that, and Peter is basically telling us, here's what you're going to do. Part of that is being prepared to respond when people ask you why you have hope, which is kind of interesting because if someone was experiencing persecution and they still exhibited hope, something is, is going on there, and so Peter's like, be prepared to uh, respond to that. And of course, uh, Peter is in this case kind of talking about a passive experience in that a, if you are uh, confronted with why you have hope, to respond to that. But then if you read through the New Testament, there are other uh, instructions that people who choose to follow Jesus should be prepared and capable of communicating effectively why they made that choice, why they care, why they have faith why they have hope, and sometimes that is uh, initiating it, not just waiting for someone uh, to ask. And so this seems like it's an, an essential part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that we are able to communicate uh, this good news effectively. And yet, for many of us, it's a great challenge. In fact, I know that there are people who have confessed faith in Jesus and then know that we're supposed to talk about it and then just find it very difficult. So we want to explore a little bit today a couple of reasons why it may be the case that we find the idea of communicating further uh, this good news really challenging or uncomfortable. And so why, what, what is the reason that makes it difficult for us to share the hope that we may have? Now, I just want to acknowledge that I recognize not everybody here may have confessed faith in Jesus. I know this is a little bit of insider conversation for, for uh, church people today, but I hope some of the insights today can transcend even if you have not expressed faith or you're here for the first time or you're thinking about whether Jesus is, is, uh, uh, is, is the person for you or not. So just keep that in mind. Anyway, all right, so why is it challenging for us to be able to share, talk to us, for those who have confessed faith, why is it challenging for those who have confessed faith to 
share effectively why that is the case, why we have hope. Now, I bet that you could come up with a bunch of answers, and had we had a poll on the screen, we could get some good ones, but I, got, I have three for you today, because you know I love three, if you've been around uh, very long. And so, the first one is this, things that inhibit us from effectively sharing good news, that proselytizing seems very gross. Uh, and proselytizing is uh, converting someone else from one idea to the other, okay? So the idea that we have to go or you have to go and proselytize or change somebody's mind about an idea can, can feel a little bit gross to us because we're like, hey, I have my experience, you have yours, and I don't want to impose my ideas on you and try to change your mind. That's, that can feel a little icky for us. And I think there's good reason for that, especially in our Western context, especially if you're in a culture that embraces capitalism, because in a capitalist society where commerce and consuming things is such an essential part of the experience of the culture, we are always constantly being told uh, or, being told or trying to be convinced of embracing something, right? So you can't open your web browser or go to an app and you're looking at your nice app on meditation and there pops up an advertisement and that advertisement is saying, you know, hold on on your meditation for a moment. Uh, please purchase this toothpaste. I don't know. And so we, we're in this environment where people or companies are always trying to proselytize, to convince us to change our minds about things or to think of things that we've never thought of before. So idea manipulation, if you will. And you know, advertisers, God bless them, their job is to manipulate, right? To make you feel like you need something that you didn't even know existed like 10 seconds before or to convince you to change. You know, uh, what's your favorite toothpaste? I don't know why I'm stuck on toothpaste other than I think brushing your teeth is a very good idea uh, on a regular basis. But you know, Crest to Colgate, those are two, that's not the same brand, right? Right, so, or Geico insurance to, what's another insurance? State Farm, all right, see, it worked. Manipulated, boom. Ah. Okay, State Farm, Geico has the, uh, they have a bunch of characters, but they have the gecko, and then State Farm has, what is State Farm's thing? The what? Jake, oh, Jake, of course, Jake from State Farm, right, exactly. Jake, so you got Jake versus the gecko, and they are competing with our attention, trying to get us, they're trying to proselytize, saying, spend your money with us, and so we are inundated with this. We are all, you cannot live in this society without being, uh, the, the attempt for you to choose one or the other or to switch from one or the other. And so the idea that of a follower of Jesus would have to also participate in this is a little disgusting and gross and icky for us. Y'all with me? I mean, do you want to be salespersons for anything? I mean, maybe some of you are salespeople. That's fine. That's a totally appropriate job. <laughs> Let me stop before I get in trouble. Okay, anyway, lovely. I'm glad you're selling something. I don't think that we want to be thought of as selling uh, Jesus, all right? I mean, there are some people who are into that, and that's a whole problem. The issue is uh, the gospel and Jesus is not a product, and so we need to not 
treat the gospel and Jesus as a, uh, a product. You know, uh, I read an article in the Times or the Wall Street Journal or somewhere this week, and it was talking about the Amazon. Uh, you guys have heard of Amazon. It's this little company, and they're, like, selling things. Anyway, Amazon is now paying people to do reviews. Or is anyone doing this, by the way? Uh, I mean, God bless you. I love a, re- I love a review. Uh, anyway, you go, you, know, you go and you're like, I want this product, whatever it is. And then at the bottom, there's someone, because we're cynical right at this point. We know that Amazon is, uh, is they're, they're trying to manipulate us to buy things, more things. They have algorithms. And then the companies that are advertising us, they're doing the same thing. So you know what? We have confidence in other people. So Amazon's like, we're going to get other people, and then they're going to review the product. So you scroll down. So they're now paying people uh, to, if I see you on a review, first I'm going to laugh, uh, and then I will well, listen to your review, because I do appreciate other people's opinions on things. So anyway, they're, they're paying. And then on top of this, we have influencers on social media, right? My point is, we are inundated with people trying to get us to change our minds about things. And the gospel is not a product. We shouldn't treat it as a product. But this is also inhibiting us from just being normal and being like, hey, this thing, this, 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 this belief that I have, this person that is, is, is Jesus has meant something to me. So Peter says, you know, be prepared to share. And we're like, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to proselytize. I don't want to be a Jesus influencer. I don't want to be an Amazon reviewer for Jesus. Okay, and I think that's actually a good insight. Embrace that. Jesus is not a product. The gospel is not a product. Okay, secondly, we're inhibited from communicating the good news effectively because we've had previous weird or awkward experiences that make the idea of sharing the good news really, really uncomfortable. Uh, I would imagine, and I know we have a whole Zoom community, and many of them are not here in New York. We have Terry in Walla Walla. We have, who else do we have from somewhere not in New York? We have Yvonne, who is in Georgia. I don't think they have a subway in Walla Walla, but in New York we have this thing called the subway, and uh, you get on, and the anticipation that when you get on the subway is that you're going to sit or stand and ideally no one's going to talk to you. For better or worse. I'm just saying that's kind of the expectation. That's why you get the largest headphones that you can possibly find. You put them over your ears to signal to everyone you are not looking for uh, a conversation. Right? Uh, but there are people who decide that when those doors close, and especially if you're on the express where you're going to be on it for a while, that that is a great moment to communicate to everyone, despite the fact that they may be wanting to have their own experience, their truth about Jesus. Have you ever experienced this, the subway preacher? And so then they're there. It's often involved loud things. Ironically, it's really good news that is being shared. It's some kind of horrific bad news about, you know, who's in trouble if they don't embrace this message. And so we're hurtling along, and there's no way to get off the subway. And so you're there. Where I'm going with this is that we are affected by hearing these things. We're like, I don't want to be like that. 
I don't want to be that person. Or maybe you're familiar with a family member or friend who's a little bit too pushy about, you know, religious things or changing your mind, and you're like, okay, I don't want to do that either. So these experiences <laughs> hinder, uh, uh, hinder those who are followers of Jesus from actually fulfilling what Peter is talking about and is being prepared to communicate or sharing the good news because we have these bad experiences. We don't want to be uh, influencers or, 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 or reviewers, and then we've had these bad experiences. By the way, side note, and I've met, mentioned this word many, many times because it's that good, but Rodney Stark, who is a sociologist, not, not a Christian apologist, he uh, wrote a number of books. I'm assuming he's still writing. I think he's still alive. Uh, anyway, his seminal book is called The Rise of Christianity. He went back and said, how did a small ragtag group in the first century get from their ragtagness to a you know, culturally dominant uh, group in three to four centuries? Okay. Now, there are some not great answers to that question, but some of the positive answers to that question, because you know, cultural dominance is not what Christianity should be going for uh, by any means, all right? So by the fourth century, that is where in Western Christianity there was, there was a lot of that, and it became problematic. But there were also some really great things that Rodney Stark expressed about how the, the good news was communicated very effectively so that other people got involved. And the number one, one was, ironically, social networks. So... People would, you know, people would come together like we're doing now, and it was in, the, you know, in caves or in people's homes, and they would gather together, and they would interact with each other, and they would eat together, and they would pray together. If you read Acts chapter 2, you get a great description of this. They ate, they, they discussed the, gospel, the, the apostles' teaching together, they, they uh, fellowshiped together, and uh, they had a great time together. So that's Acts 2. So this social network that was developed was incredibly powerful and was encouraging uh, to people. And so that, the, 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 the good news about God's work in Jesus was communicated in this, this body that cared and uh, loved each other. They also lived in urban centers, which means that people, there was a lot of people around. And so that the, the, that the beautiful community that was existing had an influence on other communities and that that was in, incredibly important. One big notice, uh, Stark says, is that when a uh, plague or catastrophe came in those first few centuries, the Christians were the ones who responded with the most empathy. They would go and help each other and help other people in need, and that that was very compelling uh, to people. All of this was a way to communicate the good news. They were helping each other, not just to communicate the good news, but that was a way of saying, saying like, we care. Because God cares. And this had an incredible influence on uh, the early church in the first uh, few centuries. There's other things like the, the women and family. Women in the first century church, as you know, if you read the New Testament, were incredibly influential. You can make a very good case to the, uh, the church. Certainly wouldn't have been the church. It wasn't, it, it, it would have, it wouldn't, it wasn't, what am I trying to say? Without women, it would have been bad. Okay, yeah. I think that's where we're going. Uh, that is, I mean, that is absolutely true. And so you see that not only in the biblical story, but in the first few centuries, the women, and I'm not just trying to, you know, be nice to uh, you women, 
as I, I want to be nice to, to you, but this is reality. The historical record shows that women were the drivers of the Christian church. And so also that was influential in a time where that was not always the case in the larger society. So all of these things contributed to an effective means of communicating uh, the good news to those at large. And Stark makes the case that this actually really fed the growth of the church. There's one last one that I'm hesitant to mention, but I will mention it, and it's martyrdom. You know what martyrdom is? You die because you believe in something. Huge influence. Uh, you may remember Tertullian said, uh, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And uh, basically said the influence of people believing so strongly in something that they were willing not to, by the way, go out and kill themselves or kill other people. That's not what he's saying. But they, they believe so strongly that when other people were pressuring them to, to renounce their belief or their faith or the hope they have, they were unwilling to do that. And so they were killed. They didn't kill. They were killed for that. And so that martyrdom was a, a way of communicating oddly the good news. Uh, I should mention John 13. This is Jesus. He said to the newborn Christian community, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. So Jesus is basically saying, hey, a way to communicate the hope that you have is by <laughs> love, the lo is through the love that you have for each other. And that Stark uh, identifies this in all of these things, that the church had love for each other and love for the human family and that that was uh, compelling. Uh, okay, so I went on a positive spiel there. Back to the issue. The issue is that we see so many negative examples of communicating the good news that it makes us very uncomfortable with actually doing it ourselves. Finally, we are challenged by this idea of sharing hope that we have, again, if you're a follower of Jesus or a confessor of faith in Jesus, because we feel like we don't know enough about the faith, or we're not educated enough about this faith. I've heard this a million uh, times, that, you know, I don't know enough, so I'm afraid to talk about uh, my faith because I don't know all of the details. Now, no offense to you, but I would say that's a misunderstanding of what Peter and what Jesus is inviting us to do. Peter didn't say that you have to articulate you know, every idea or doctrine that your faith community uh, believes in, all right? He said, explain why you have hope. Explain why you have the hope that you have, which is a very personal thing, right? It's a very personal thing. It's not about knowing everything that your faith community uh, attest to. It's not knowing for in, in uh, the Adventist community we have this thing called the 28 fundamental beliefs. I've said it many times I'll say it again. 28 is too high a number for something to be fundamental. That's ridiculous. <laughs> 28 fundamental things. Anyway, it is what it is. There's 28 things. You know, so we're like I don't know the investigative judgment. Just to pick one uh, or whatever. I just picked a, a really uh, fun one for you. Would anyone like to explain that, by the way? So, so we're like, I, I can't, I can't uh, communicate the good news because I don't know all the details. But again, that's not what Peter said. It's certainly not what Jesus said, that we have to be able to articulate every nuance 
about our faith system, uh, Peter's inviting us to share why we have hope. Right? And if that hope is uh, rooted in, in what God has done through Jesus, then it makes communicating to other people very simple because you're just telling someone like why you care about this, right? Now, sometimes, again, we get a little off and it's fine, but we, we, somebody asks, like, this comes up for Adventists, and they'll say, you know, you know, why are you Adventist or why are you Christian? And we go right to, like, well, God said on the, the seventh day is the Sabbath, and that we go right to, like, a doctrine, like, Sabbath is the Sabbath, and I read my Bible, and it was, like, the right day, and I was like, that is it. It's the right day. Sabbath is lovely and wonderful, and if that's the reason that you have hope, amen to that, but we want to get we want to get a little, little more uh, uh, back to God's work in Jesus for this, which the Sabbath, of course, does talk about, right, and reveals. Anyway, where I'm going with this is uh, we get caught up in not knowing all the details for everything, and we feel like we can't communicate the good news effectively because we don't have all the information, and that's okay. That's not what Peter is inviting us uh, to do. Okay, so what do we do? How do we... Uh, overcome these challenges. Peter, Jesus, others have said, if you confess faith in Jesus, you should be capable and able to communicate effectively why you have faith in this. So how, despite these roadblocks, do we develop in com- uh, this ability? And so I have a couple strategies for you. Get ready. This is drum roll. Okay. <laughs> He's not here yet. That's fine. Okay. Uh, things you can do is uh, write out your story. Write out, it doesn't have to be long, but write out, you know, we, sometimes we call it a testimony, but whatever you want to call it, write out your story. Why, why do you have belief in what God has done through Jesus? Tell the story. At Thanksgiving uh, every year, it's been a tradition for the last few years, we actually invite people to come and to share. If you remember that, it was really lovely last uh, time, last Thanksgiving. It seems like last week, by the way. Am I the only one who feels that way? Thanksgiving was literally like two weeks ago, and now it's Easter. Anyway, uh, we had some very nice testimonies, people basically sharing. They were sharing their stories, and we gave them a little outline and said, here's the outline, and here's a way to tell your story in three to five minutes, and it was beautiful. So you may want to write out your story. Like, why, if, if you're a confessor of faith in Jesus, write out why that is. So if somebody comes to you, you can... What's happening? Oh, the puppy. Oh, puppy. Oh, okay. Let's just wrap this up. We got puppies. I'm sorry. Our, our drummer is here. Wow. Okay. <laughs> sorry. It was early. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Not yet, guys. Almost. Almost. The drummer. Drummers are here. Okay. Juan, Juan pa- Pastor. Puppies, drummers. We go. Okay. One, one. You can write it out. This is over, by the way. The puppy comes out. It's all over. So we're wrapping this up. We can practice sharing our story. And then finally, and Stephen did this very effectively in the first service. And I would suggest this to anyone who's thinking about, like, how to communicate effectively. Chat GPT. You can chat GPT. This thing. I wish every Christian would do this, especially every Adventist. They need this very, very badly. And you just type in the search, and you hit send, and here's what you're going to type in. 
how to talk to people about something you care about without being weird. <laughs> I'm just saying it would go a long way to help the problem. So Stephen actually did this after the first, uh, the first service. And I mean, let's go to the chat GPT here. You guys have heard the, of this, right? Yeah. At any moment, you're going Michelle and I and Stephen are out of a job because we're going to just chat GBT the sermons and you're going to have like an AI, someone preaching. All right, so it said find common ground. This is, you know, how to talk to people about something you care about without being weird. Find, find common ground. Gauge their interest. Boy, that, I would love if the subway preacher guy would be just like, hey, everyone, is anyone interested in this? Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, I love this one. Be enthusiastic, not overwhelming. Thank you. Thank you, ChatGBT. Listen actively. What if Christians, what if followers of Jesus were known for listening actively? Uh, use relatable examples. Respect boundaries. Please, please invite questions and be yourself. Thank you, Stephen, for doing that. I know that was a lot of work, checking ChatGPT. <laughs> really appreciate that. Uh, I don't need these. Okay, so there's some strategies. But we need more than strategies, right? And so this brings us back to uh, Jesus himself. You know, Jesus was himself effective about communicating the good news. Thank God. He had firsthand experience. And so... Uh, Jesus was a, a, a master at communicating the, the good news. In fact, we have this story from Luke chapter 4. Let me see if I can find it. Okay, this is Luke chapter 4, verses 16 to 19, and this is Jesus communicating effectively the good news. We're told that he went back to his hometown. And if, by the way, the hometown, that can be the hardest place to communicate because people are like, I know this little person when they were a little baby. Why do I have to listen to them? And Jesus got a little bit. So he goes back to his hometown. We can imagine his, his mom was very excited, and she got all her friends there, and they were sitting on the front row. And uh, we're told that G Jesus is going to read the scripture that day. This is Luke 4, 16. He went to Nazareth, where, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and he has sent me to proclaim the freedom of the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then at the end he said, today this has been fulfilled. Yes. Right? Today this has been fulfilled. There is good news. God cares about this broken world. God hasn't given up on this broken world, and he's come to set the prisoners free. Jesus knew how to effectively communicate the good news. It's not always well received. I shouldn't mention this, but I will. If you keep reading, uh, Jesus kept going, and it got so testy, and this is when you know the, the, the preacher has really done it. They, they pulled him out of the, the community to throw him off a cliff. That's right. I should never have mentioned that, because this is going <laughs> to... <laughs> anyway, Jesus knew how to effectively communicate the good news. And the good news for us, for those who confess faith and feel like compelled, like 
we should be able to communicate the hope that we have effectively without being weird, without trying to manipulate people, without uh, being a proselytizer who's convincing you to change from one product to another, one religion to another, one faith system to another, no faith system to one faith system. We don't want to do that, but we, we are compelled or mandated to be able to effectively communicate the good news. The good news is that in Jesus as we confess faith in him and put our hope in him, he is able to make us effective in this and to give us the power to be able to talk effectively and communicate effectively about uh, this good news. And so we continue this journey together to, to wrestle and to understand what God is inviting us to be as a community. And we're saying that our, in our strategy that we as a community want to be able to better communicate uh, the good news and that we as individuals are mandated to be able to communicate the good news, but we want to do this in an effective way. And the, the good news of the good news is that as we continue to confess faith in Jesus, he is able to give us the right words to say, to put us in the place that we're not being manipulative. By the way, just if you're being a little manipulative, maybe you've come to faith in Jesus and you're like, you know, you're really excited. Just That's great. Just chill out a little bit with the, you know, the family. I know sometimes people will, you know, they'll come to faith and they're like, I got to tell everybody. And they do it, you know, over the family barbecue at, at, and, and, and the, everybody is trying to watch the game or whatever. And they're like, this isn't the moment. That's okay. Just, you got, we got we to gotta chill out but still keep the excitement. But God is able to bring people into our experience at the right moment and the right time and to give us words to say all of this is part of this confessing faith and, and being capable of sharing the hope that we have. Now, there may be somebody here or some of you who don't have that hope yet. I hope that this was helpful. I hope that this is helpful even if you haven't come to that place in your experience. And I hope that this community and that we as individuals, for those who have confessed faith in Jesus, can be of encouragement uh, to you if you are in that space where you're still wrestling and, and, and thinking about uh, what God has done in Jesus and whether that is for you or not and when you, whether you want to confess faith in that. And so my prayer for all of us today is that we are capable confessing faith in Jesus so that he can give us the ability to communicate the good news effectively. And if you haven't experienced that good news, my prayer for you is that you'll experience that today, that you will be able to come to faith in Jesus because it is good. May God do this in us today. Amen.